In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. From Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself. Philippians chapter 2. Some of us sure have been watching great things on television and computer in the last six months and looking for great new shows or great stories. Some of us even trying to learn to sing or play an instrument. Well, the next time you're looking for a good story or something to sing, try this old story from the Bible, the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16. That chapter tells a fascinating story about the Apostle Paul. Through some strange vision, Paul was urged to travel through a land called Macedonia. As he traveled, like he usually did, he tried to establish a church, or at least a Christian community there. Paul and his partner, Silas, ended up in a town called Philippi. Apparently, their custom was to hang out outside the city gate at the river, the local watering hole, you might say, the place for social talk and engagement, especially on the Sabbath, when it was also a place of prayer. Paul and Silas first sat down and spoke to some women who were already there. One of the women was named Lydia, who was probably a well-to-do textile merchant. She was so moved by Paul's words that she was baptized, along with everyone else in her household. And after that, Lydia invited the Christian missionaries to stay at her house. And then it looks as if an early Christian community, a church, if you will, developed in Lydia's house. I imagine that the community there engaged in familiar early church activities, such as prayer, and of course, singing. Lydia, a woman, was probably the head of the first church in that community. Well, during their stay in Philippi, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison, a frequent occurrence actually for Paul, the Apostle Paul knew what it was like to be imprisoned without cause. At midnight, however, an interesting thing was going on. According to this story in the book of Acts, chapter 16, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Singing hymns to God. Remember that. The other prisoners were listening to them when, when suddenly an earthquake occurred, such a great earthquake that the doors of the prison were jarred open and all the prisoners' fetters and chains were cast off. The Philippian jailer, apparently, was scared to death. And 
just before he was trying to kill himself out of fear, Paul comforted him, comforted him. And Paul, in fact, ended up baptizing him. And not just the jailer, but the jailer's whole household as well. That story has many other details, which you're sure to like. The account fascinates me, however, in that one little phrase which I emphasized in my telling, the fact that while bound in prison, Paul and Silas were singing. They were singing hymns to God. What were they singing? I suggest it may just be that one of the hymns they were singing was this passage, which we have read this morning from what else but the epistle to the Philippians, the Philippians who lived in Philippi, where Paul had set up that church. This passage, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which we read earlier today, has, has intrigued New Testament scholars for some time. But only recently, in the past hundred years, has the notion been advanced that this passage, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, is really an early Christian hymn, a song. Maybe it started as an Aramaic song. Maybe it was a Jewish Gnostic hymn filled with Christian theology. Maybe it was a Syrian hymn. The scholars debate among themselves, whatever. My point is that as usual, scholars are way behind the artists because before the scholars of the 20th century came to the consensus about this passage's hymn qualities, at least two poets and two more musicians had already put this passage to music for the church. We just sang, or we heard sung, one of their efforts. Hymn 435. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. That hymn is a paraphrase of this particular Philippians passage. The other paraphrase was written by the legendary Bland Tucker, hymn 477. All praise to thee, for thou, O King divine, Didst yield the glory that of right was thine. Both these hymns seem to recognize implicitly that special quality of Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, which makes the passage singable, a combination of rich, tightly woven theology and smooth meter. When we sing that text, we are singing the very same sort of thing that Paul and Silas were singing in the Philippian jail. Yeah, years later, after the Philippian jail experience, Paul 
was again in prison over in Rome. And from the Rome prison, he wrote today's letter of encouragement back to the Philippians. And he included this hymn. He may well have been remembering, maybe, this same hymn that he had been singing in Philippi before. And it's a beautiful passage. Though Christ was in the form of God, verse 6 says, that word form, form of God, is the same sort of word that the book of Genesis uses when God says, let us make humanity in our image. The same word that can be translated image in Genesis is translated form in Philippians. This Jesus is showing us the image of God. But, says this Philippian hymn at verse 6, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Remember who else was made in the image of God? Remember Adam and Eve? who were given the condition, if you read of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. And what did they do but grab and take it? They grasped it and exploited that image of God. As a result of that grabbing, Adam tarnished the image of God. But Jesus, it says here in Philippians, Jesus reverses this. Jesus, unlike Adam, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead emptied himself. Jesus is thus the new humanity, characterized not by grabbing, but by self emptying. Instead of the upward grasp of Adam, the movement of Jesus is a downward emptying. So we learn through Jesus something important about the image of God. Our God is a self-emptying God. Someone once said that when God creates, it means that he allows something to exist which is not himself. This act requires an act of profound renunciation. So said Diogenes Allen, an act of profound renunciation to create and allow something to exist which is not himself. Those of you who have had the courage to bring children into this world, you know what that is like. In love, you bring something, someone, into the world who is not you. Not you. It, it is a kind of letting go of yourself, a kind of renunciation that is love. Yes, we who follow in the tradition of the old Adam 
we find this profound pronunciation extremely difficult. We're scared of being empty. We usually prefer to be a grasping people. We seize, we take, we even hold on to things that were never ours to hold on to. And yet, here is Jesus who has a valid identity. He is in the form of God, Philippians says. Here is Jesus giving up even that divine identity. Philippians 2 says, let the same mind or attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Let the same song be in you, a self-emptying attitude. For it is only when we allow ourselves to be emptied that we realize truth. It is when we give up what we think we are that we realize the truth about ourselves. Thomas Merton, the delightful Roman Catholic monk of our own time, realized this. After much searching and much solitude, he asked, who am I? Who am I? My deepest realization of who I am is that I am one loved by Christ. Love. There can be no other reason for God emptying himself before us and for us. There can be no other reason for God creating us, allowing something to exist which is not himself. There can be no other reason for this downward movement of God, not an upward movement, grabbing and grasping and straining for attention. The movement of God in Jesus Christ is downward, downward, toward us, downward, toward those in need, downward, in love. Paul says to the Philippians, have the same love. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit, but in humility count others better than yourselves. When we empty ourselves, we discover what love is. In fact, emptiness may not be a despairing place at all. Emptiness may be exactly where God wants us. For it is often there, in our emptiness, in our renunciation, that we find two things. We find in our deepest realization that we are loved by Christ. And we find in our deepest realization that we can sincerely love one another. These are not easy things to find, nor is this downward movement of God easy to explain rationally. That's why some of the best theology comes to us in poetry, and some of the best motivation comes in songs and hymns. Yes, Paul and Silas long ago sang a hymn to God. 
which broke the chains of prison, which broke the chains of bondage and of fear, that song did. Not afraid of being empty before God, they sang of a way of freedom. 1900 years later, we too sing songs of freedom in our reading, in our prayer, in our action, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess him king of glory now. From him 435. Let the same song be in us. In that proclamation is the great mystery of Christianity that our Lord is not a demanding and conceited God, but a self-emptying and giving God. Our Lord Jesus does not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but instead empties himself and humbles himself. We now sing that self-emptying Christ as our Lord. And as we proclaim the downward movement of God, we follow that movement. We sing that song. We allow emptiness. We honor humility. And so we build up the glory of God.